Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. We are ready now to open our Bibles. First, a familiar passage from Matthew chapter 5 in verse 8, followed by one in Proverbs, and then a third passage from the book of Psalms. And these texts will introduce our subject this morning. I'm in Matthew 5 at verse 8. One of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'm going to add to that now Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and he will make your path straight. And then I'm going to add to that from Psalms 119, verse 11. I have hidden my word, I'm sorry, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want you to please observe in Matthew 5, 8, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and in Psalms 119, verse 11, All three passages have one word in common, heart. And I must take a moment here for clarity. In these and many other passages in the Bible, the word heart isn't just about our emotions. It isn't the physical organ that pumps blood. It is the inside of us, if I may put it this way, between our ears, where we think, plan, dream, decide, where we love or hate or hurt, the place where faith, love, and hope should have a home, where every thought should be obedient to Christ. So I'm going to ask us today, what is the condition of our hearts? Can it be said, when you look at your heart inside, that you are pure in heart? And do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? And do you have God's Word hidden in your heart? And as you reflect on that, Here's what I'm going to say next. The greatest spiritual battle we fight in all generations is the battle fought between our ears. The heart, the mind. If we can get this right, being pure in heart, putting God's Word in our heart, trusting in the Lord with all our heart, if we can get this right, We can please and glorify God. We can live righteous lives, serve people responsibly, and enjoy peace of mind. The greatest spiritual battle we fight in all generations is the battle we fight between our ears, in our hearts. And so, we have to keep the bad stuff out and allow the good stuff in our hearts to be permanently rooted there and to grow. 
I'm going to take you to a passage that helps us with all this. In Galatians 5, I'm going to read from verse 19 down through verse 23. Galatians 5, 19 through 23. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5, 19 through 23. So my responsibility is to make sure the works of the flesh do not take root in my heart. And the corresponding positive responsibility is to make sure that the fruit of the Spirit does take root in my heart. That space, that matter, folded tissue between our ears, the mind or heart, must be kept pure and wholesome, filled with love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This is how we trust in the Lord. This is how we keep our hearts, maintain purity before God, and equip ourselves to respond righteously to people and to events. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. All right, pretty simple stuff so far. Nothing controversial, complicated, or new, but personally challenging we must keep our hearts pure, keep the bad stuff out, keep the good stuff in and growing. This morning, I want to identify one thing that corrupts hearts, ruins relationships, displeases God, can make you miserable, and eventually useless in the kingdom. And then we'll consider how to deal with it. That's a lot to take in. I need to say that again. I'm going to identify one thing that can corrupt your heart, ruin relationships, displease God, and make you miserable and useless in the kingdom. And I'm going to call this a cynical negative attitude. I know that sexual lust and intoxication and greed and indifference can corrupt you from the inside out. No question. We can talk about those some other time. Today, I'm targeting one thing, a cynical, negative attitude. Was this ever a problem? I mean, back in biblical times, Moses once asked God to blot him out of the book of life. Abraham once had a sensation of terror, saying that a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. 
Jeremiah wished he had never been born. The prophet Elijah came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take away my life. 1 Kings 19.4 Jonah said that for him, death would be better than life. In Jonah chapter 4 and verse 3, David once said, I groan because of the tumult of my heart. And do you remember Asaph in Psalms 73? He said, my feet had almost slipped. In vain have I kept my heart clean. I could go on and on with examples from Scripture where God's people were discouraged, depressed, unable to see hope, angry, and cynical. Their hearts overloaded with negative junk. Doubts and fears and irritations and anxieties filling their hearts with all the wrong material. It wasn't alcohol. It wasn't the abuse of drugs. It wasn't a violent intention to kill or lust or hurt anybody. It wasn't greed. They were worn down carrying a load of bitterness anxiety, and it could be said they became cynical. I tell you, whatever infects the heart affects your relationship with God. This is one reason Paul said, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in a crooked and twisted generation. And this is why Paul also wrote in Ephesians 4, verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. I can't continue to hold in my heart cynical thoughts, hate, anger, and bitterness, and it not impact my relationship with God. It will eventually ruin me, it will hurt others, and it's offensive to God. Solomon said, so then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 10. I'm going to give you a damage report. <clears throat> if you keep cynical, negative attitudes and bitterness inside, I'm going to give you a quick damage report of what this does. It wears away at our hope. <clears throat> I will say, it is impossible to cherish the hope of heaven fully in a heart filled with anger and cynical pessimism. Sometimes intellectually, we know what God has promised to his people eternally, but that hope is crushed <clears throat> underneath some burden of worry or some resentment or grudge, a negative cynical attitude wears away at our hope, and it hinders us in serving others. I cannot be an effective giving servant if my heart is bloated with anxiety and the cares of this world. I cannot be a good servant if I'm always complaining about the other servants. Barnabas was an encouraging man and therefore an effective servant. 
Negativity discourages fellow Christians. Nobody likes to be around people who are always complaining or who want everybody to know their negative opinions. Paul said, be at peace among yourselves in 1 Thessalonians 5.13. And in the same context, he said, encourage one another, build one another up, and do good to one another. How can we do all that? If there is that load of negative, cynical attitudes inside of us all the time. Most important, anger held in the heart, grumbling and complaining is utterly offensive and repulsive to our God. James 1 and verse 20 says, The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And Colossians 3 and verse 8 says, Get rid of anger and rage. What does God want? Pure hearts in His people. Do you have a problem with the content of your heart? Have I described anything that you recognize inside of you? Now, what's the treatment? Four things. Very simple teaching from God's Word. Number one, put your hope in God. We are not good at figuring out what's going to happen. Even though we may stay up three or four hours a night trying to, we are not good at figuring out what's going to happen. We entertain some worry and we project what we think might happen, often doom and gloom, Most often it doesn't happen, but we don't seem to learn from that. Why not just do what is right today? Be active as a Christian. Place your trust in God. Either what we imagine won't happen, or if it does, if we're doing what's right, God will see us through it. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him in my salvation in my God. Psalms 43, 5. Number two, know that gratitude combats cynicism. Gratitude combats cynicism. Gratitude fully embraced will drive it out. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Gratitude is one of the most powerful medicines for the mind. It clears out the coldness. It brings light where there's darkness. It brings peace where there's worry and good attitude where there's grumbling. Gratitude is one of the most powerful medicines for the mind. Do this. I do it. When you are weighed down with distracting worry that keeps you from pressing responsibilities, take a walk. Not outside. Take a walk in your mind back through your life and pause at all the blessings God has given you throughout your life. 
Good parents, good examples, precious people early in your life. Blessings and opportunities, a good husband, a good wife. Brethren who've treated you with grace and have served you well. Your measure of health. Just take a walk in your mind. And when you get back from that walk, that nagging worry will not seem so intimidating and it may even disappear. You may forget what you were worrying about when you take this walk. And then you get back to work and do what God wants you to do with that time. Thankful to God for all He's done in your life. Gratitude is part of God's answer to discouragement. God's answer to discouragement. Don't live in the past. Give up all that bitter baggage that doesn't need to be there. Is there anything bitter that needs to be there? Give up all that stuff that weighs you down and gets you down. Paul said, brethren, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I strain forward to what lies ahead. So is your mind straining forward to doing good for God ahead? Are you stuck in the past with something that happened to you that made you mad? What a powerful directive to those of us who may carry baggage in our heads. So take Philippians 3.13 and put that on your refrigerator door. No way. Just put it directly here. Put it right here and keep it there between your ears. Put that verse up when the baggage from the past weighs you down. And be patient. That's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let me ask, has God been patient with you? And do you expect people to be patient with you? Then be patient with yourself and be patient with others. And that, along with rejecting the bitterness of the past and putting gratitude in your head and making sure that your hope is in God, will keep you from being a cynical, moaning and groaning, grumpy person. See, this is the capacity that is part of active faith in Christ, patience. To not be impulsive, to control yourself, correct yourself, and just calm down and trust in God. It is a quality you develop from faith to not be easily provoked or thrown into depression or an outburst or letting something get stuck in your head and it's doing you no good. The greatest spiritual battle we fight in all generations is the battle fought between our ears. Do you struggle with your attitude? Is there something stuck in your head that hinders you from full service and devotion to God and service to others? encouragement to others. Take a fresh look at biblical patience and gratitude. 
Get your head wrapped around what Paul said, forgetting the things that lie behind. Place your trust and hope in God. And I'm going to add this. There is this little phrase in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Let every thought be obedient to Christ. What a challenge. What if you sat down and made a list of your thoughts? Particularly those recurring thoughts that maybe keep you up at night. If you were to make a list of your thoughts, if you kept a journal of your worries, your resentments, your bitterness, made a list of all those, would they be obedient to Christ? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's be standing as we sing. Oh.